Owned and Vinylized. I'm Mark Sykes. And I'm Paul McCormick. Each music collection tells a story. Displaying your love for music on a shelf or a rack brings joy to countless music enthusiasts. If you don't care about being organized, then it's a lot of, where's that record? Or, I'm pretty sure it's over here. Or, ah, let's just listen to something else. Are you an alphabetical artist organizer? Or an album title sorter? Is your collection in chronological order? Do you know when media is missing because of a space holder? These days, computers and music services do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to organizing your music collection. But maybe the A-type therapy of bidding a new album into your system is something our vinylized listeners are striving to get back to. Or maybe you never left. Let's find this week's album under the letter M and drop the needle. Finalize and send it to me. Realize the songs that set you free. This week's album is The Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. And I'm just going to start by saying it was released October 10th, 1995. It was almost one hour long. It clocked in at 59 minutes and 38 seconds under the label Trauma Records and Interscope Records. This is a big one. This is a big one, vinylized listeners. If anyone tells you making an album is easy, maybe ask them if they've ever made one themselves. And I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I got to be honest here. You have the record label executives, you got the producers. They're all weighing in on how your song should sound. I mean, you've got the band drama, you've got romances and breakups and you've also got how much you've been played on the radio the list goes on and on and on well the tragic kingdom is the result of three years of struggle and we're going to get into how the reasons i just mentioned could have stopped this album from being made which would have been a shame because what the album gives you is a fun energetic ska rock punk reggae fueled hour of intricate odd and epic tracks i heard a saying or maybe it was a song once that said, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And so I'll let the numbers speak for this album. One band romance gone bad. You've got one sibling leaving the band. 14 tracks, seven singles. 16 million copies sold worldwide. Two diamond copy certifications in Canada and the USA. You've got four times platinum in Australia. It spent over nine weeks at number one on the Billboard charts. The accolades go on and on. And, you know, maybe you're not a person who measures success by the numbers, and that's totally cool. I challenge you, give this album a listen and see if it moves you. It was my choice this week to pick an album. And after the last review we did of Revo by Walk Off the Earth, I was inspired. I love that, um, that sound of big bands. It was very happy. And that's why it kind of led me to choose this album. This is an album that I can listen to straight through and I feel that energy from the album even after 25 years. I affiliate this album with my high school days in a positive way and it makes me happy when I look back on those days. Hey, I met Mark. Couldn't have been that bad, right? <laughs> I, like, yeah, I like how all the songs are, they're not all about heartbreak and love there's actual ideas being put forth and it's refreshing um you know songs like just a girl in 16 it's thought provoking it's forward thinking for the times i really love it 
lastly, I've had a lot of fun sitting down this week and just kind of rediscovering these songs. And it's weird how when you listen back and you read the lyrics, some of the songs take on a different meaning. So I've had a, a pleasure reviewing this. I'm going to love sharing what we found with vinylized listeners. Mark, what do you think? Uh, this album is a time capsule. When I listen to it now, I'm just like, I'm teleported back uh, to that time, 1995, uh, 15 turning 16 and all of the exciting things that are happening uh, in a young person's life and a great soundtrack to go with it um, is amazing. And, you know, I was really into grunge and heavy metal music. So to have an album sound so different and just bring so much joy was a nice, uh, nice change. And I think it really shaped my music collection in a different way. And I had to make new spaces for different artists, you know, and that's kind of what I was saying in the intro. Like, how was I going to organize my music collection now that I had no doubt Tragic Kingdom? You hit the nail on the head there because in the 90s, I mean, grunge was really the thing. Good luck throwing Nirvana off the pedestal or even Green Day, right? You had those, they were huge. Um, no doubt somehow fit into the 90s. And we're going to get into how they did it. Uh, in some ways, it's a bit of a miracle. But I mean, wow, it, it is timeless, like you said. It's a time capsule. And I love how you phrase that. So the recording process is done over, you said, three years. And um, I believe that Matthew Willard is the producer of this album. He actually produced Bush Bush's album, and then he wanted to uh, produce um, the No Doubt album, which is interesting. And they recorded in 11 studios over all that time. It's like, so how do you get a rhythm going when you're not in one place recording an album over like a two week to three months session? It's that long this album takes. I thought about that too. And, and why did they choose 11 studios? Was it because of uh, maybe the sound engineers working at a studio and it fit one song better because there's a lot of big bands on this album? Is that why they chose it? Or were they just kind of getting fed up real quick and saying, no, let's move on. Or maybe there's a time opening here. Let's just go there. I, yeah. I don't know why, but it did take um, 11 different studios to help make this album happen. And maybe it's a money thing too. Like, are they at their career point where they still have day jobs? You know, are they fully musicians or are they working in other places uh, to save up enough money to get recording time? Well, the answer to that is yes, they were working their jobs on the side. Um, and just maybe we could introduce the band members in a second. But one of those band members, his name's Tom Dumont. He plays the guitar. And I heard him say in an interview that they were working their jobs. He would work till midnight and then wake up at 5 a.m. to, you know, get on with the rest of the day and record some bits. So it was work, it was recording studio, minimal sleep, but they made it happen. Amazing. Why is the band called No Doubt? Let's introduce the band first because, okay. and sure. I don't mean to block, I don't mean to block. So we got the members, Gwen Stefani, everybody knows Gwen, the beautiful front woman of this band. She's got a fashion line out now. She's dating Blake Shelton and we know that she's dated, um, Gavin Rosdale from Bush. We've got Eric Stefani on this album. That's her brother. He's on some tracks with keyboards. We've got Adrian Young. He's on drums. Tony Canal, who's on bass. Tom Dumont on guitar. And then we've got a bunch of other people playing brass, trombones, trumpets. Yeah, there's 12 other um, 
musicians who are on this album playing things like trumpet, trombone, saxophone, steel drum, sitar, cello. Okay. We've got the members. Yes. We want to get to why are they called No Doubt? Yeah, that's, that seems like a funny name. Like, I remember hearing that. I'm like, No Doubt. Like, where does that idea come from? I heard that No Doubt formed in 1986. And they were heavily influenced by the, the ska and punk scene because they're living out on the West Coast um, in Orange County. And Gwen Stefani, Eric Stefani, her brother, and another guy named John Spence, they formed No Doubt back in the early, early days. Right. And this is when they were probably 16 or 17 years old. And it was John Spence, the lead singer at the time, who kept saying, no doubt, dude. How, like, what's the California? No doubt, brah. Right, right, right. And so they just <laughs> love that saying, so they ended up naming the band that. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. And so it's interesting because Gwen Stefani at that time is only the backup vocalist. And then John Spence passes away. They get another singer who leaves the band. And by the time Tragic Kingdom comes out, none of the original members are actually in the band anymore, except for Gwen. And we're going to talk about her taking over some of the writing of the songs for Tragic Kingdom and how their sound changes. But it's interesting to think like a band starts and your backup vocalist becomes the star of the band. Yeah, who you would know? have seen that coming? Right? Isn't that like a cool like rags to riches story? This, this is a rags to riches story for sure. <laughs> So then why is, the, why is the album called Tragic Kingdom? Well, I believe it's called Tragic Kingdom because they're, they're living um, just on the outskirts of Anaheim, which mm -hmm. is where the Magic Kingdom is. Ah, okay. And it's a play on, on words, really, right? I think if you're from the area, they call it Tragic Kingdom. And there's a lot of remnants of that throughout the album. Right. Now, I really like that idea, um, but I'm going to jump back to that later in today's uh, episode of Vinylize, and I'm going to talk about how the album can be a tragic kingdom. Uh, so stay tuned for that, Vinylize listeners. What about the artwork, Paul? What do you think of the artwork for this album, the cover? Artwork is really cool. Um, I love how they got the oranges there, but I think it kind of embodies what tragic kingdom is about. When I said that the Tragic Kingdom is a play on words for Magic Kingdom. What appears to be all glitz and glamour and, mm -hmm. and very nice, is it really behind the scenes? And on the album cover, you have Gwen Stefani in a beautiful red, looks like a plastic dress, right? Yeah, yeah. But on, on the cover, you also have flies, rotting oranges, and you've got her brother and the bandmates uh, standing beneath this tree that looks like it's dying. You know, it, it's... I think it, it perfectly embodies the name of, of, of the album. And her brother left the band because he didn't want to give up creative control of writing songs. And he'd left the band. He wasn't going to be in the photo shoot. And then Gwen said, I want him. He, you know, helped make a part of this album. You know, he's on this album. He should be on the front cover. But if you look at the picture, he's not facing the camera. So his like, you know, like, I don't want to be in this band anymore is like kind of even present. Um, you know, on the front cover. Do you know what he goes and does after being in this band? Yeah, he starts... He becomes an artist for The Simpsons. An animator. An animator. Isn't that crazy? An animator. Yeah, that's and, crazy. Yeah. And so one of the episodes he animated was called Homer Palooza. And oh, no. Yeah, and in Homer Palooza, he drew the band members of No <laughs> Doubt. No, so no. So they're, they're in there, yeah. Okay, that's why Vinylize is amazing because, you know, it. you look into this stuff and you're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And then you find out, oh, he became an you know, an animator for the Simpsons. And then 
<laughs> he animated the band. I didn't actually know that. That's crazy. Okay. Um, if this was released on vinyl, so it wasn't released on vinyl originally. It was released on CD. And so there's no break on a CD. But if it was, now I want to let the listeners know, we don't actually look into this. So this is something that Paul and I just have fun, like thinking about if it was on vinyl, where would the break be and why the producer would choose that? So Paul, where would you put the break on this uh, 14 track album? So I put the break um, at 16. Okay, I think it's a good mark for it because it ends with a song that has some punch. Uh, and, okay. and if you were to flip it over, it would kind of flow. Except for the fact that 16 actually fades right into Sunday morning. Oh, and I, yeah. I, I'd have to fix that as a producer. Okay. Um, so I like the climb as the end of the first side of the, of the record. Um, it's also a song that um, Eric Stefani writes by himself. Okay. Um, and it's about overcoming stuff. Um, and then the second side, I think the 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 song 16 Sunday Morning and Don't Speak are actually a song. It's like a trilogy. And we're going to talk about that when we get into the meat and potatoes of the album. Should we get oh. some meat and potatoes in here? <laughs> right, man. Let's get some meat and potatoes in here. Right. Yeah. Get me right. that fish and chips out here. Let me get some meat and potatoes. Right. Put on the paper. Yeah. The newspaper. <laughs> the tragic kingdom. Um, so Paul said it's like ska punk. Um, it's really fun music, um, interesting themes, sincere vocals and lyrics, high energy performances from all the bandmates. Um, it's a full, full, it's a full fun album when it comes to sound. Um, we got gender stereotypes that are being mentioned, uh, relationships, the power struggles that come with relationships and much, 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 much more. Are you ready to get stuck in some spider webs, Paul? Let's do that. I've been going through a rabbit hole. So stop me with some spider webs. <laughs> okay. So the, I love this idea. It's so cute that, um, she's getting stuck in the spider webs of guys who are like, falling head over feet for her. And they're like, we're so right. We should definitely be in a relationship together. And she doesn't know how to say no. So she's getting stuck in their spider webs. And then she's having to like screen her phone calls because, you know, back in the day, you'd have an answering machine, maybe not call display. And you'd let the person talk in the answering machine before you'd pick up. You'd be like, oh, it's just my dad. Okay, hey dad, how's it going? But then that creepy dude at the club keeps calling you, right? <laughs> so I think that's really funny. And there's nothing worse than going on a nature walk and getting a spider web in your face, right? True story, true story. Or even a branch, have you ever gotten a branch with like a twig in the eye? The worst. Both the worst. things, both things are bad. Um, speaking of bad, <laughs> I also yeah. heard spider webs was written about a lonesome kind of guy reading poetry at her window. Oh. Um, not in a creepy way. I think he was kind right. of on the, on the bubble, right? Of getting your interest. And he thought right. this would be a good move. Let me uh, go to Gwen's house and, you know, throw some rocks at the window and read her some poetry. It didn't work out so well, and he's in the song now. I think we've all been in those relationships or had those friendships that make us screen our phone calls, you know, or make us not go to those parties or those events because, oh, that, that, that person I work with is going to be there or, you know, that person I used to date or that person who wants to date me but I'm not interested in. Right? I think the modern day equivalent to that is having your red receipts on your text messages. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and mine are on, by the way. I, I want people to know that I have or haven't read your message. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, I love the guitar fills in this song. I think the guitarist is really fun in this this song, Spiderwebs. I love how dirty the bass is. Listen to how dirty that bass is. The steel drum is really fun. The horns. 
Um, and then there's kind of like an eerie bridge where the guitar is doing some kind of fun stuff. Definitely listen to just the music on, on this particular song, Vinylized Listeners. Excuse me, Mr. is the next one. And, and this was actually the fourth single that they released. Spider's, Spiderwebs was the second single. Excuse me, Mr. is the fourth one. Um, mm. And that single was actually released on August 21st, 1996. And this is an interesting story about this song. There was a standoff okay. between the band and the producer, uh, Matt Wilder. Wilder kind of wanted to make it more like a country shuffle. And No Doubt really liked the version that we know it today. Mm. And no. Yeah, no doubt said if they can't record it their way, they're not going to record Spiderwebs. What? That's crazy. So wait, wait, are you talking about Spiderwebs or Excuse Me, Mister? Well, they both kind of tie in. Excuse Me, Mister wouldn't oh. have sounded the way it did today. Oh. Um, so wait, they were like, listen, if you don't let us record Excuse Me, Mister, we're not going to record Spiderwebs. Is that what they're saying? Uh, not exactly. Oh, okay, okay. If they were going to have to record, excuse me, Mr. Like a country shuffle, they're right. not going to record spider webs. Oh, and that, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's where, you know, they had the problems with produ production and, and executive assistants saying, we want it to sound this way. Try this. Right. Okay. But I love and that they like held a, the ground. Yeah. It's like a traveling band song. Is this rockabilly kind of? Is this getting into rockabilly? This song? No. Okay. No, I wouldn't say that. Okay, we got chugging guitar. We've got some really great rundowns. Um, you know what it reminds me of, Mark? Instead of rockabilly, I'd say almost like a show tune. Ah. I don't, I don't even know if like a, a chorus piece or a show tune is right, but. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that I find like really interesting is um, it almost sounds like a black and white movie soundtrack in the middle when she's talking about um, being stuck to the tracks. You know, mm -hmm. and then she's waiting for someone to come and save her who's never going to come and save her. I just, in my mind, it reminds me of like a black and white Charlie Chaplin movie. Hey, do you want some fun facts about this song, Mark? Yes. Do really? I dug so deep into this one. I went right down to the bottom of the rabbit hole. And this is what I came back up with. It's a very fast tempo, 146 beat per minute song. And it's set in the key of F sharp major with Gwen's vocal range spanning from nearing an octave and a half from A3 to F5, but we obviously dug up the more interesting facts, I think. Um, the, the other thing that I think that's interesting about this album is that, uh, or is that it keeps jumping back and forth to which gender has the power. So in the first song, um, the, the female has the power, right, being mm -hmm. uh, in the spiderwebs, but in this song, um, the man has the power. And Gwen was a lot of writing a lot of the songs on this album. So of course she's fighting with these thoughts and feelings and writing songs. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, the next song is just a girl. And this is actually their very first single. And the band recalls, this is the first song that they heard on the radio. And that's kind of what made them think, Hey, we're going to make it. I, we might actually have something here. Um, fun fact, the house featured in the video is actually the house where all the songs for Tragic Kingdom were written. No um, way. Yeah, dude. But whose house was it? Who's, do you have any idea whose house was it? Uh, was it Eric Stefani's house? No, it was their grandparents. Oh, no way. That's so cool. Yeah, and you can actually see their grandpa sitting behind the counter in the store in, in the music video. Ah, and, and we, we talk about stereotypes. This is her kind of like having a bit of fun with gender stereotypes. Mm -hmm. uh, in this song um she the beginning of the song says like you know take a pink ribbon away from my eyes so i can see the real world uh and it's a big surprise 
Um, and it, it's interesting because, you know, she, while she's having fun with it, she's actually kind of mentioning some pretty awful truths that like, you know, men and boys get away with some things that women can't. And, and the idea from the song comes from, you know, she would drive and go visit her boyfriend at night and her dad would have a big problem with that. Like, you can't be driving around at night. Wait a second. She was visiting her boy. Who was her boyfriend? So uh, her boyfriend at the time is the bass player in the band and they dated for a year without letting anybody know because there was kind of like an unspoken rule, like don't date, don't date your bandmates. Mm -hmm. But then eventually they, I think they did it for like seven years. Don't drill in your own boat. That's right. It's very true. It's very true. <laughs> At work or in a band. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so they're dating and um, she's going over to his house and she's kind of getting this like double standard. I'm sure her brother can go out and do whatever he wants, but she can't, you know, and so that kind of fuels the idea for this song. Yeah, it's really embodying, embodying that um, stereotype, right? Like as a female, you might be weak and vulnerable, but it's, it's a double standard that you just spoke of. Her brother can go out and come back at one and it's all good because he's a guy. Personal story here. I learned how to record music off the radio with a cassette tape because of this album and this song. When this song would come on the radio, I would be like, I need to have this song. And so I like got a cassette tape queued up, but I didn't want to get the commercials before and at the end. So I listened to it a few times, like when they were playing it. And then I really like, I got good at it. I think I recorded it like twice or three times to get the perfect version <laughs> of this song on a cassette tape. And then of course the next song you put on needs to be, um, you got to be careful too, right? You don't want to get commercials on your, you know, radio cassette tape. I wish people, kids today, you kids out there, <laughs> you would have to hit, what was it, record and play at the same time? Yes. Um, so I've got this thing, it's called a glossary. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to bust something out for my glossary. Do you know what a rule of thumb is? It's glossary time. It's, <laughs> it's glossary, glossary time. time. I'm going to hack this glossary up and mispronounce people's <laughs> names. Okay, here we go. Do you know what rule of thumb means? Uh, I don't, if I'm going to, can I guess? Yeah, I'm you got to guess. You gotta it goes guess. back to, um, medieval times in England and they measure things in yards and, and maybe a rule of thumb was like a measurement of some yeah. type. And, and the, the problem with measuring something with your thumb is that your thumb and my thumb are different. So, you know, there can be, um, you know, if you're measuring something, you know, you end up getting a piece of food that's like shorter or a piece of wood that doesn't fit into a place. But actually, um, at one point in the United States, you could actually beat your significant other with a stick as long as the stick was not thicker than the diameter of your thumb. Oh. So the rule of thumb was that as long as it wasn't thicker than your thumb, uh, you wouldn't get in trouble for doing it. And in a song that's talking about um, female injustices and like being, you know, quote unquote, just a girl and not being able to do all these things. And then she says, your rule of thumb makes me worrisome is very interesting. Like she's almost trapped uh, and she can't do certain things. And she's kind of like having to follow the rules because she's afraid almost. Right. Isn't that interesting? That's the serious glossary for this week. Great glossary, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like that glossary. Okay. 
I think this glossary segment no. is really working every week. I think we should definitely keep the glossary. Anyway, that's what a rule of thumb is, by the way, if you if you wanted to know. And if it's making you worrisome, it's making me worrisome. And I'm glad that that's not an actual rule anymore, if it ever should have been. Um, let's move to track number four, which is Happy Now. High energy guitar, uh, more intense bass lines. So if you were wanting to learn how to play the bass and you were like, I'm really into... Um, Tony Cannell's bass lines. When you start hearing song number four, you're like, this song, this album is way over my head. I need to play an easier album or <laughs> learn how to play the bass somewhere else, not on this album. The bass in song number four is ridiculous. This whole album is not bass for beginners, by the way, okay? Spoiler <laughs> alert, spoiler alert. If you're a it's bass not. player, don't use this album as a template, okay? I, I was thinking it was gonna give up at one point and then it didn't and I was like, oh, no. you know what? Like. This is an intense bass album. <laughs> it gets crazier. Um, so yeah, Tony Canal, um, he said it best about this song. It's a very intense breakup song. And remember, he, he dated Gwen Stefani, and he should know, right? Um, yeah. They dated for several years before it was written. I like that he's able to see past the song itself. Um, mm. Because imagine playing that every time, right? And, and that stage presence you have to have of being in the groove and enjoying it knowing that what she's written, those words are about you and her. So, and I think he broke up with her and in the relationship, she was like, she was into him. He wasn't really into her. Then they started dating and it wasn't until they broke up and then she moved on that he kind of realized what he'd lost. And that's kind of where the happy now title kind of comes from. Are you happy now? You know, that you see me and I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. You know, that's yeah. the worst thing. You know, when you break up with someone and you see them again, you're kind of wanting to see them down in the dumps, you know, a year later, like, oh, you're not doing good. Oh, that's too bad. Yes. This is one of those you songs know? that took on a different <laughs> meaning after I read the lyrics and I knew the relationship between Gwen and Tony Canal. I was like, oh my goodness. To me, it was always just a great tune to sing along to, right? Never really thought much about the lyrics. And now I'm always going to look at it differently. It's interesting when uh, a a big moment in your life happens as an artist and then it shapes all of your writing and all of your creative energy. So this breakup really does shape this album. And it also is the time, like we said, that Gwen starts to write lyrics for the band. She's not singing her brother's lyrics, her brother leaves. And so we get this really true, raw emotion and feeling from this breakup. And, you know, the guy who it's about is like, he's right over there. He's playing the bass, right? <laughs> but they tour, you know, for countless years with all these great songs. This is like their best-selling album. And, and the band's still together. I know. <laughs> like, in hindsight, right? Like, they started back yeah. in 1994, 95, and they're still together. I love it. So, uh, you know, Happy Now is an interesting song. I think uh, she has the power in this song. So if we talk about it kind of being a pattern, so she started with the power in song number one, then, you know... Uh, a male figure has the power in song number two. And then in song number four, she has the power again, you know, where, where he wants her back. And she's like, no. Song number five is different people. What did you make of that one? So I remember listening to this album for the first time. And usually I try to listen to an album all the way through. Uh, and I remember going back on this track like four or five times before I listened to the rest of the album. I actually love this song. I think this song is unbelievable. What was it about it that you love so much? It's the ska punk funk. It's the, 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 I love the horns in the song. Um, I, I just, the balance on this album is so 
good. Like if you just quiet your mind and throw in some headphones or get some really great speakers and you just listen, you're, things are going to be thrown at you. I just, I felt like this really got me out of my grunge funk when I heard a song like this. I'm like, this is an amazing song. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, n- I don't know if that is a reflection on Gwen Stefani and how she kind of views the world as well. Like, do you see it back in the day she was wearing, um, she was, she dated Tony Canal, who's Indian. So that Indian influence crept into the way she dressed, um, the things she'd wear. Um, I believe it's called a bindi. What, mm-hmm. um, you know, she made that very fashionable. And if you look at the band, they're all multicultural, multinational. You have the horn section. Um, so when I hear different people, I often wondered if it's a reflection on all of that. I read this in two different places, but I don't know if it's true because it's not quoted from her. But this is apparently the first song she wrote lyrics for, for the band. Oh, But I don't know if it's true. So mm-hmm. um, you can dig deeper, vinylized listeners, but that's what I read this week. And this song also kind of reminds me of my Nana because when my Nana and I are hanging out, we love to sit and watch people. And then we talk about them like, oh, what's that person doing? Oh, look at them. Um, and I just think that's what Gwen's doing here. L- loving life, loving the variety of people who are around her and just just recognizing them. They're different people, they're different minds and how, you know, collectively we bring all these people together in these cities and there's so much beauty and love that can happen. I don't want to know what your Nana and you say about me. So uh, let's get on to the next song. Okay? All right. Number six is Hey You. Uh, this song starts with a sitar, you know, kind of so like this cool. magical uh, sounding mm-hmm. uh, song. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's not there, my favorite. It's not my favorite at the beginning of the week. I have to admit. No. You know what? There were seven singles released and this was one of them, right? Wasn't um, it, was it the last one? It was the last one. And guess what? So this album was released October 10th, 1995. This is released February 23rd, 1998. So that's how long this album is having an impact. They just keep releasing single after single. And yeah, this is the seventh It's because the bass on the album has, is walking so much that the album actually has legs <laughs> and it keeps walking out singles. But so, you know, in terms of vinylizing, you know, I didn't really love this song ever. But mm-hmm. then, you know, like you said, reading the lyrics and understanding, you know, you're just like my Ken and Barbie doll. Uh, waiting for your ship to come in, I started to kind of, you know, like the song a little bit more, especially because I started to understand, you know, the relationships of the bandmates and the 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 idea of the album. Yeah, I think people either see it as killer or filler, right? Is it a song on the album just to fill it or is it really great? Personally, I like it. I think it's got a great groove and right. it might not be an anthem, but it is enjoyable. And And if I had to pick at something i'd say it's just not a sing-along song it's almost like the sequel to i'm just a girl because she's talking about the expectations that um some females put on themselves for the relationships that they're going to be in that they're going to be in a ken and barbie relationship and when that doesn't happen there's a lot of disappointment and then that also goes back to maybe the relationship that she -hmm. was trying to be in a ken and barbie doll relationship that didn't work out so I, i feel like it's the sequel to just a girl and and she's a really smart writer in the way that she's like presenting it to us. And I never noticed that before. So Thank maybe you, hey, <laughs> maybe maybe hey you doesn't land with everybody. This next song really didn't land with a lot of people. It was called The Climb. And yes. what did you think of that? Well, you know, it's interesting knowing that Eric Stefani is the only person credited for this song. So maybe this is their old style because they were accused of selling out. 
when this album came out and not sounding like themselves. But, you know, they had they had different people writing the songs and different people writing the lyrics. You get a song like this, and if you listen to the original No Doubt album, this song kind of sounds like that song should be on that album, not this album. Yeah, and it feels to me like after hearing Hey You, this song, it kind of changes the album. Um, mm. it, it's sort of tricky because usually this would strike me as a song that would be the end of an album. Ah. Um, you know, um, that's why I thought maybe it would be the end of side A, perhaps. The messaging is interesting because it's about climbing a mountain, overcoming something, right? You know, you got to climb, you got to have the strength to climb. And you can look, you know, you're looking back to see the people who are below you that haven't, you know, gone on the journey of climbing out of something that's hard to deal with. So maybe he's talking about his sister in relationships. Maybe he's talking about his musical journey. Maybe he's talking about changing careers, you know, not following his passion with music when he's writing this song. I'm sure there's a word for this, and I'll include it in the glossary one day, but when a, a music, music makes you feel a certain way, you know how some music makes you feel angry or happy or sad? This is called, this is called climb. Ooh. This is called climb, and it makes you feel like you're kind of climbing. And yeah. Do you agree with that, or am I out to lunch? Yeah, you're almost climbing out of the first side of this, what might be the first side of the record. You know what I mean? Like all of the songs have hit really hard and then you get climb, which is on a, just on a different wavelength altogether. And it's the longest song on the album. And to be honest with you, you do start to feel the length. And you were right. This is, this is where the break is on the album. Is it? It is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes, I finally got one. It only took like a billion episodes of this show for me to actually get this right. Chuck, tell him what he's won. <laughs> <laughs> You've won a lifetime supply of rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so we got 16. That's the next track. I, I just want to mention something here. And I want vinylized listeners to think about this. I think song eight, nine, and 10. So 16, Sunday morning, and don't speak is a trilogy of songs. So it starts where it's talking about her being 16, uh, starting to be interested in, in boys and seeing the world for what it is, going through her metamorphosis. Um, and then we move into Sunday morning, which is where she's got the power in a relationship. And then we go to Don't Speak, where uh, her partner has the power. And it's just, if you listen to just those three songs together, they even bleed into each other. So it's, it's like a very long song if you put them all together. It's almost 12 minutes long. It's over 12 minutes long. I think you should check it out, vinylized listeners. Do that. Listen to 16, Sunday morning, and don't speak. What do you think of 16, Paul? Um, I, I like it. It's a rock reggae infused song. Um, you know, I thought it was a good break because it kind of ends on a song with some punch. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fun song. It's one of those ones that is an idea. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're only 16. Uh, Hey, we were almost that age when this song came out and I never really picked up on it. <laughs> it was again, was a catchy around, tune. I was running around shouting, I'm just a girl at the top <laughs> of my lungs. And people were like, who's this dude? But I was also singing 16, right? Yeah, I was getting spider webs in my face. Um, but, you know, I was also singing this because, you know, what do you remember about being 16? I remember like great times, awesome parties, learning how to drive, putting my own music uh, in the car cassette player when we wanted to when I wanted to drive around right having my own money because I had a job you know what I mean being able to buy the albums that I wanted to and the food I wanted to eat at the food court like there was a lot of freedom in being 16 in my life and I feel like this album is a part of that that's the time capsule right like there I am 
Yeah. And I think this song speaks to parents out there who, you know, it's a rights versus responsibilities thing. You know, you, when you have a teenager who's 16, like you said, they want to go out to the mall. They want to drive. They want to do stay out late. Um, but as a parent, you have responsibility and you need some oversight there. Um, you know, and, and that's the juxtaposition, right? That's why this song is kind of written from the stance of a 16 year old. And this, this song has like a sound clip in it that talks about like the kids aren't bad. They're just from like underprivileged neighborhoods. I always want to know it. where those sound clips come from. Cause there's one in a sublime album too, where it's like they were smoking marijuana cigarettes, you know, <laughs> on that sublime album. Anyway, I just yeah. like it when artists do that, they throw in like a little sound clip. You're like, did they create this? Or is this from a movie? Like, where is this mm -hmm. from? Mm-hmm. I always wonder that too. Is it from like education, 1930, 40, 50, right? Like who knows? So I really like the cello on this song. I just want to mention that vinylized listeners, please listen to the cello on the song. And I like how the song counts in as like one, two, three, four. So it sounds like it's in a jam session. And I think that's what starts would start side B really well with a jam session of 16. Then we move into Sunday morning. Is this, is this their biggest hit or is don't speak their biggest hit? You know, what? One, I don't one of know. these two songs is their biggest hit. Oh, I would say I thought it I would be just speak. a girl, but okay. Okay. You, we mm. got to look into it. There's so mm. much here. I, I'm pretty sure it's I'm, I, now I'm looking at my notes. I think it's Don't Speak was their their number one, their best hit, I think. Anyway, okay. So what do you think of Sunday morning? Sappy, pathetic little me. That was the girl I used to be. That's, that's kind of how the song starts. Those are the lyrics. Well, again, this one takes on a different meaning because I know she's dating Tony Canal at the time when she writes this. So what used to be a really catchy tune, um, it changes, right? Right. Um, it is still fun and poppy, but it, it does reflect her breakup. And he, despite all that, he still says this is his favorite song to play. And, and she is in his face in the bridge. She's like, thank you for turning on the light. Like she's like saying like, thanks for letting me recognize how bad this relationship was. And maybe this is where I should talk about Tragic Kingdom. Well, or should I wait? Should yeah, I wait? No, should I wait? let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so essentially, when you're in a bad relationship and you don't realize you're in a bad relationship, um, you're kind of in a tragic spot. You're in a tragic you know, kingdom. You're almost like trapped in the dungeon of that castle. And it's not until you get out to the fresh air and you're not in that tragic spot place or that relationship that there's freedom to write music and live your life and become a new you and there's songs coming up that talk about that but i think the tragic kingdom is that relationship that is essentially like weighing you down so you're drowning you know and you're involved in it so you you're you don't realize you're drowning until you have no air wow huh whoa that is deep man i love it so their their relationship was a tragic kingdom. Uh, Don't speak is song number ten. Did you want to say anything else about Sunday morning? I'm sorry, I might. No man, no, no, okay. no. Let's keep moving. Uh, Don't speak um, is is a ballad. Uh, there's some really uh, the vocals just really stick with you when you hear this. There's a Spanish guitar that has a solo in the bridge, which is a sound that you don't hear on the album, which I love. Um, and I really do feel like you know she's hitting the home run here with her muse of. I got to write about this breakup and how much I'm broken. Um, and this is how he had power over me. Just don't speak about it. Don't speak. That Spanish guitar you mentioned, uh, I learned that it was pieced together from six different studio takes. What? Yeah. And uh, Tom Dumont mentioned, he goes, you know what? I played it with a pick as well. So 
a classical guitar players out there would not be cool with that. Um, yeah, I, I, this, this video is interesting. It's about the band breaking up and it's yeah. not, not in real life, but it does kind of reflect what they were going through. There is a level of them all being done with it. We're all kind of done with each other just from the process and you know, the dynamics. So yeah, if it looks like we're upset with each other, it's not acting. We actually feel that way. And it, there's something interesting to think about. You're in a band that has two members that were dating and they broke up. How uncomfortable is that? Like, thank goodness this band could get over that to become as great as they are. Okay. Up to this point, that's a good point. What do we have up till now, right? We have Gwen Stefani's brother leaving. Yes. They've got yeah. the breakup of Tony Canal and Gwen Stefani. They've got mm -hmm. the, the friction between um, produ production and executive yeah. executives at Interscope. Like, it makes sense. You know, these songs are making sense. And, and the other thing, too, is that they release an album, like, within, is it in the same calendar year? Yeah. Yeah, they had one before that called Beacon Street. So they're in this recording studio for three years. They have another album that is released very, like, very close in calendar to this album. Um, and, and it's just interesting to think about, like, that album was done under like um, an independent label because the the record company Interscope was like, we don't like any of these songs. We don't want any of these songs. So they're like, well, we'll just release them ourselves. Was that you done know? under Trauma? Was it, were they called Trauma Records back then or? No, no. So actually Trauma Records is actually, I think owned or started up by Matthew Willard. So he actually wants, because, because No Doubt had a problem with Interscope on album number two, he comes in to produce and he kind of says, you know, I want to take the rights over for No Doubt. And there's a huge like lawsuit that happens actually after the album blows up of Tragic Kingdom uh, that needs to get settled. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so Trauma Records is his record label that I think they're under for that album. If not, it's kind of like an umbrella of Interscope. Yeah. It's like who who gets all the gold coins from the Tragic Kingdom? So all I know about that other album they released in the same calendar year called Beacon Street was named because they lived on Beacon Street. So that's, we're going to have to listen to that. Okay, that, we're, we're getting to that, Vinylized listeners. So we move into song number 11, which is You Can Do It, which is kind of like a pep song or a pep talk. You know, You Can Do It. It starts with a woo-hoo-hoo and like a horn intro. Uh, there comes that driving bass again. Uh, if you're a new bassist, uh, stay away from this song. Uh, and then the horn section is unbelievable in the song. The energy comes back into the album. So you got that trilogy of kind of like, you know, sadness. And then bam, we are back into it as you can do it. And let the bygones be bygones. I think this is the band moving on. I cool, think man. Gwen is saying to to Tony, like, yeah, I wrote all these songs and we're going to perform them. But let's let the bygones be bygones. We want to be in a band. We want to be famous. Let's do this. And speaking of great bass lines, it goes right into World Go Around. Crazy, crazy. If, even if you're not a bass player, I'm not. And I mean, we all know it's got less strings than a guitar. So really, how hard is it to play? <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I can appreciate it on this album. I really, yeah. really can. And this is definitely a ska song. Light and easy. Song number 12, World Go Around. I, I really like this song. It's talking about like a new way to live to make the world go around. So you've been stuck in a way of living that's not working for you. And so the world going around and you need to figure out a new way to make the world go around better for you. So you've gotten out of that tragic kingdom. How do you get into a new world, a new rotation, a new you? 
And it's you know? a really happy, flowing, melodic song. It's, it's really cool. You yeah. got to live life a new way. Uh, I think the album could have ended with song number 13, which has ended on this. And it, it didn't. Um, but you could definitely put it on a mix CD as the ending song or in a great playlist, uh, Vinylized Listeners, because it's a great ending song. Is that it? They didn't hint? end the album with this song. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tragic Kingdom? As the, as the last song. You know what? Yeah. I, you know what this song reminds me of? And this is an Eric. This is an Eric Stefani song. So they end both sides of the vinyl with Eric Stefani. I. This reminds me of Super Nintendo Mario World. Like I feel like I'm in like one of the kingdom castles, trying to be like a Koopa or whatever. Yeah, it's one of the odd know, like, songs. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Odd. Yeah, yeah. But there's icicles running down his eyes or something. Yeah, like I don't know. I this 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 is not my favorite. Uh, no doubt song. Do you think it fits in because they have a silly persona to them and they like having fun and maybe Tragic Kingdom, like that's just the, I don't know, the idea here? Well, remember we talked about Counting Crows, August and Everything After, and they took that song off the album, but they made the album still called August and Everything After? Yeah. Maybe No Doubt should have done that too. <laughs> should have done that. They should have done that. You know, they should have like called it Tragic Kingdom, but there's no song on it called Tragic Kingdom. Yeah, I don't know why they picked it, but I do know that that of the two songs, that's one of the ones that um, Eric Stefani wrote. You got any more uh, no doubt tidbits before we uh, wrap this baby up? Yeah, vinylized listeners, if you're into um, actually buying vinyl online or at your local record store, if they're still around, no doubt has had so much fun using colors. And if you're into colored vinyl, this is a band that you've got to pick up. Um, I, I don't know if they did it to encourage sales of the vinyl singles, but it's been released in red, translucent orange, uh, metallic green, uh, blue marble. There's a limited edition one that came out recently. It's a big spider web. Um, they've got electric blue, tie-dye, the list goes on. So if you're into vinyl and you want to find a collector's item, definitely check out some No Doubt stuff. Uh, no Doubt started in a Dairy Queen. and so. Go get some Dairy Queen and listen to this album. There's my little fun uh, fact. So Eric Stefani and John Spence, who founded the band, actually started the idea uh, in a Dairy Queen. And then uh, Eric ended up getting like a, not a piano, I guess like a keyboard. And that's, that's how the, the epic story all begins. Very cool. All right. Well, now we got to talk about which song we're going to add to the epic playlist. So you pick the album. I get to pick the song. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, so you got... 14 tracks to choose from. There's been seven singles. Is Mark going to pick one of the singles? I almost want to do end it on this, you know, because I love that idea of like, let's end it on this, you know, give me one last kiss. It's like a, a swan song. See you later. But I know, Paul, that we're not done vinylizing. So if I already <laughs> pick the end song to our playlist right now, yeah. we're up a creek without a you paddle. You can't do that, man. No, you can't. So I, I can't go there. I can't go there. Um... Do you want to guess what you th what what do you think I'm gonna pick? I, I see. I feel like I'm always predictable. I pick like the best song that ever sold, and you pick the one that's super obscure. Uh, for you, <laughs> so for you, I'm gonna pick um, "Happy Now." Ah, oh, you know what? That's that is that's a great song, but I'm not actually gonna go with that one, and I'm not gonna go with "Different People," one of my favorite songs in the album. I'm actually gonna go with "Excuse Me, Mister," because I think it will go well with the songs that are already on the playlist. So when you're curating a playlist you've also got to think about what else is on there now yeah. right and we've yeah. got you know six songs on there already so i'm going to be putting excuse me mr track number seven it's three uh, minutes long and it was written by uh 
by Gwen and uh, and Gwen and Tom. So just two it. members of the band wrote this song, and uh, yeah, that's the one I'm going to pick. And I love that it kind of reminds me of black and white movies in the middle. This album was so much fun to review this week. Um, finalized listeners, if you ever have, have a suggestion, send it to us. Um, leave us a comment. You know, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music or Anchor.fm, like find us, let us, uh, give us a suggestion. We're always here and we got open ears. With another song added to the epic playlist on Spotify, this brings us to the end of the No Doubt Tragic Kingdom Vinylized Session. Special thanks goes out to our producer, Alex Sykes, for putting this show together. Check out related videos and other fun stuff on our Facebook page. And we'll see you next time when we pick a new album and we tempt you to vinylize.